One, two, three, ho! This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 8. Super Bowls are obviously the opportunity for fan bases to celebrate, but they also create reasons for everyone else to emulate. And in a copycat world, in the copycat world that we live in for all of sports, but particularly the NFL, sometimes you look at the way things are done and you ask yourself, how can it help my favorite team? Now, that's created a lot of conversation around Joe Burrow, but I think that's the wrong quarterback to be talking about. For every other fan base, we should be looking at the lessons of Matt Stafford. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Jason Fitz, Sarah Spain will join us in just a little bit. Coming back from L.A., we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Now, obviously, everybody has spent all day breaking down the Super Bowl, and we're going to do that in a different way for the next couple of hours. We're going to get you some flavor from L.A., from some players that have been around the team, and from Sarah, who experienced it all in person. We'll break down everything that happened in the game. But it really hit me today as a fan of a team not in the Super Bowl. Now, for most of us, you look around the league, most of us driving in your car tonight, you're a fan of a team that's now looking at the Rams and saying, how do we do that? Frankly, how many people have looked at the Bengals over the course of the last 24 hours asking the question, will they be back? How how are we going to stack the quarterbacks in the AFC? How does everybody manage with everybody else? And it becomes easy to become enticed by the greatness of what we've seen early on from Joe Burrow. And then you have this whole conversation about Burrow and Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and the future of the quarterback position, and it leads to this temptation. The temptation to look at the quarterback position for your favorite team and say, well, we got to go in the draft and we got to get that guy. But see, there's actually something that happened in this Super Bowl that should give all of us reason for hope. And that that very thing is watching Matt Stafford hoist the Lombardi trophy. Think about the conversations that we've had about Matt Stafford uh, today, whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. You just heard many of you, the ESPN Radio Sports Beat, and I gave some of my thoughts on that. But you start to think about the entire process around Matt Stafford and how the narrative has shifted, how how all of a sudden he's gone from being a pretty good quarterback that some people would say pads his stats, right? Like you've got all of these debates about Matt Stafford, and now he's a Super Bowl winner. But there's a lesson of hope for all of us in that. Because how many teams today have a quarterback that's actually a lot like Matt Stafford? Sure, there are different variations to this, right? There's different levels of your Staffordness, if that's a word, right? There's different levels that you're going to be in this. But I've said it a million times. I believe that you can win a Super Bowl if you have a quarterback that's in the top of the second, third, right? So if you break all of the quarterbacks down, you got your top, your top 10, right? Then you got your next 10, then you got your bottom 10-ish, right? So if you take all of that and you say, well, what if I've got the 12th or the 13th best quarterback in the league? Can I win a Super Bowl that way? The answer is yes. We become so spoiled by the fact that the concept is you have to have Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning because recency shows that. But we forget that we've also seen Jimmy G be a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. I mean, we've had the argument of whether or not Joe Flacco is elite because he won a Super Bowl. And now we're having the, uh, the argument of whether or not Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer because he won a Super Bowl. What is Matt Stafford? Who is Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford is sort of a relatable quarterback, I think, for a lot of us. He's really good. 
Is he as good as Patrick Mahomes? No. Is that a hot take? No. Does that matter? No. Is he as good as Josh Allen? No. Does that matter? No. Is he as good as Aaron Rodgers? We can keep going down the list of quarterbacks that are better than Matt Stafford. And I'm not saying that to to shy away from Matt Stafford. I'm saying that for everybody else that's sitting here right now saying, but our guy isn't good enough. Because what do we do as a football fan base? We obsess over one position. 53 active players on the roster, 22 starters. We obsess over one guy, quarterback, always the quarterback. And what did we just learn? Man, you can have a really stinking good quarterback, and you can get there. You can get there when you've got an Aaron Donald and when you've got a Jalen Ramsey and when you've got a Cooper Cup and when you've got a Von Miller and when you've got an Odell Beckham Jr. You can get there. And uh, through all of that, we can continue to look at what the Rams did. The Rams did this in a calculated way. The Rams did this with a plan. The Rams did this in a way that we don't usually see work. We always hear you can't build super teams. But as Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, pointed out on OTL, the Rams built this thing through free agency. I think they're obliterating the cliches, specifically the build through the draft or football's the ultimate team sport. The Rams just proved it really not necessarily is. When you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, they have a lot of guys that were undrafted free agents or lower round picks. And what they proved last night and this season, Jeremy, is you can win with a bunch of stars and some quality role players. And we got to give Les Snead, the GM, and Sean McVay a lot of credit because in a lot of ways, they're a visionary. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Sarah will be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And think about everything we just heard. Think about who Matt Stafford is, right? And think about where the quarterbacks have lied. In fact, if you go to NFL.com and you just look at the rankings of the top quarterbacks by the end of the season, and this is something they did every single week. NFL.com did rankings, and Greg Rosenthal uh, went through and ranked all of the starting quarterbacks. And if you start scrolling down the list, he had Matthew Stafford ranked as number eight in the NFL. All right, just ahead of Dak Prescott, just ahead of Derek Carr, just ahead of Ryan Tannehill. Now, Titans fans are sitting here screaming. They can't win with their guy. I've heard Raiders fans, as everybody knows I am one, screaming, oh, Carr's not good enough. Of course they are. You can go up and down the list, and you can look at the bad that's come from Kirk Cousins, or you can look from the good that's come from Kirk Cousins. But you can't tell me that you can't put a quarterback in the same caliber of Kirk Cousins onto a team like the Rams and not feel pretty good that you've got a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's the great message in a copycat league that every team can take away because realistically, if it was as simple as finding the next Joe Burrow, every team would do it every single year. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. The next Joe Burrow is not in this draft. Even if he turns out to play like it, even if one of these guys at quarterback comes out and absolutely annihilates anybody, we can at least admit the context that we didn't see it coming because we saw Joe Burrow coming. You saw Andrew Luck coming. You know, you can you can have great debates about some of these quarterbacks and whether or not they've turned out to be spectacular, right? But you you can't debate that nobody right now can can even start to put Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or any of these young quarterbacks in the same category as what we thought about Joe Burrow. And if that's the truth, then what we're really admitting is that if you want to take a flyer on a young quarterback, you're taking a complete roll of the dice. It's much better to look around and say, can I find a Matt Stafford? And there are several teams 
that the rumor mill always wants to find a way to be trying to get rid of their Matt Stafford. But realistically, what did the Rams show you? Build the best roster all the way across the board, from left to right. Get all the stars to come in. Mortgage your future if you have to. And then make sure you've got one of those quarterbacks that when he plays lights out, is a top 10 quarterback in the league. And when he doesn't, he might not be. But you can absolutely 100% win with that quarterback. Maybe for all of us as fans, instead of worrying about if we have the next Joe Burrow, worry about if you can find a roster good enough to support the next Matt Stafford. Speaking of the Rams, we're going to have a Ram give us a feel for the city the day after a Super Bowl win. We'll break it all down from somebody that knows the team better than most next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz. Sarah's going to join us in just a few minutes. She's fighting through traffic to get to us as quickly as possible as she makes her return from L.A. at the Super Bowl. By the way, speaking of the Super Bowl, we all saw the amount of stars there. LeBron, Steph, everybody was out out at the Super Bowl. Uh, But let's not forget that they also faced each other. Steph and LeBron did on Saturday as the Warriors beat the Lakers 117-115. Hell of a game, uh, but yet again, one of those types of losses that just seems like it's going to haunt the Lakers throughout the course of the season. They can't seem to win those games. Uh, That's a little bit of the Monday Roundup brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Let's get in the zone about all things Rams from one of our buddies, friend of the show at this point. Like, we're past the point of dating, and we're into a serious relationship. We have him on so much. DeMarco Farr, ESPN 710 LA Rams analyst. Uh, DeMarco, really appreciate your time. Uh, Obviously, this is is a huge win for the Rams. What's it mean for the city of L.A.? Oh, no, wait a minute. You got to put a ring on it. I ain't that easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's facts. That's facts. Come on now. I mean, one step at a time, DeMarco. I'm scared of commitment. I know. It, 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 I don't like titles. You know, that's where we are. <laughs> at least pick up the check once. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I owe you that. <laughs> oh, so, so, like, what's the sense in L.A. after this uh, Super Bowl win? Oh, yeah, just, you know, fun it was great the rams delivered you know you, you, you're still trying to grow your fan base here but you mentioned it celebrities were in the house it was like the world's biggest nightclub with a football game going on a dynamite football game to boot uh, when the rock came out and gave that little pregame i got chills and every time i looked around i saw like famous faces staring back at the field it was awesome but you know just getting the win was great you're building a fan base i think people just wanted to celebrate a victory they did that um, job well done by Sean McVay, changing that culture, getting the Lombardi there, bringing the podium out, presenting it to L.A. It was just awesome, man. Yeah, and you make the point about L.A., which I think is such an important one. It's a transient city that now has to relearn the Rams, right? So in, in your mind, is this the sort of thing that changes fandom for kids? Like, does this make L.A. a Rams town in the future? Well, you know, I'm heading out to uh, practice. I, I coach a little six-under softball league. And my daughter's in first grade. Her whole class, they're all Rams fans. I walk in, it's, go Rams, whose house, Rams house. That's how you build a fan base. All they know is Rams and championships. Rams are the biggest thing in town. So 10 years from now, that's how they're going to be thinking, if you can back it up. But that's what Lombardis do. So some of those older fans, those casual fans, they'll be with you when you're winning. They might not be there when you're losing. But when you start to win championships, that's how you build those lifelong bonds between, like, the Lakers. Uh, the Dodgers, now the Rams. So it's step number one. It's going to take about a thousand years to get it done, but 
this is a great big step for the L.A. Rams. Yeah, such an important message about being patient with these teams that go into cities, uh, even if they've been there before. DeMarco Farr joining us, ESPN 710 L.A. Rams analyst. Uh, you, you know, it makes me think of the Chargers a little bit. You mentioned the Lakers. The Chargers were already facing an uphill battle. How do they avoid becoming the Clippers in this analogy? Wow. that You know, funny. I was having that discussion on the way out. I said, how do you feel if you're the Clippers? You've been in town for how long and you still haven't won a championship? The Rams have come back for, uh, for the last six years, and here they are at the top, uh, shoehorning their, their way in between the Dodgers and the Lakers as, as far as stealing that almighty dollar. So, yeah, I mean, it really puts the pressure on everyone else. I don't know how the Chargers build a fan base. I really don't, especially when the Rams are winning. The Raiders are still uh, a big presence, a presence here in Los Angeles. So the Chargers, are, it's an uphill battle. Um, I don't know if it's going to work, but, hey, look, that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of that. That That is so, so true. Uh, the the fans, seeing so many famous people out there, a really cool moment. Does it feel like the, the sort of the who's who of L.A. is now embracing this team? You know, it's weird, man. I mean, you go to a Drake concert, you watch him. You You go watch LeBron play, you watch him. It's weird when you're in the stadium and they're watching you or watching a game. It's it's amazing. Uh, that's what the fan base is, and that's what people will pay to see. Uh, they want to see a game. They want to be a part of it. They want to go see SoFi, but they want to mix with celebrities. So if you keep winning and you keep your franchise hot, that's how you keep those celebrities coming back. So that's how you keep the ticket-buying people coming back. So it's a formula. It's an L.A. formula. They went big. They kept bringing these big names, Von Miller, OBJ, the homegrown guys like Aaron Donald being the leader of the football team and ending the freaking game. Come on, man. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome. We're talking the statue now, but that's <laughs> what it's all about. <laughs> uh, you're so right about that. We're talking to DeMarco Farr. And, uh, by the way, quickly, I'll throw Kevin Carter, my buddy, under the bus. Like, I'll, I've known Kevin for a long time, always wearing Titans gear, suddenly seeing him in all the Rams gear at the Super Bowl. I'm just no, saying. No. He's ours. Nashville's going to fight you for that one, though. Uh, You know, it it is funny because you mentioned Aaron Donald and obviously unstoppable in this game. But there were reports earlier in the day that he might be contemplating retirement for the organization. What how do they best handle this situation? Oh, just just let it wear off. I mean, he's the champion right now. He has to rediscover his motivation. I mean, his sole reason for being was to win a championship. So he did it. There's no playbook for that. There's no playbook for when you become champion. There's plenty of how to get there or the desire to want to be one. Now you've got to defend it. So I would say in a month, once he heals up, uh, rest a little bit, let this wear off. You know, there's a financial reason for these guys to keep playing. I bet Aaron will come back. Uh, There's still more to get. Uh, the, The toughest thing in sports, in my opinion, is defending the Super Bowl championship. So, once you start talking about that, that'll light that fire. He'll come back. You know, you mentioned uh, set, getting yourself healthy, and it makes me think of Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, I think most oh, people were heartbroken wow. to see that. For the team, How do like what's the best approach for them in trying to figure out how to navigate loyalty to a player that obviously they have a special bond with, but they've also got to work out contracts and figure out the money side of everything? It's the business of football. We'll get to that in March. But, you know, I think he's earned it. I, I think he came here and kind of changed perception and was a big part of this offense. I think he was on his way to be an MVP early in that game if he doesn't get hurt. But you saw it immediately. As soon as the ball made contact with his hand and that knee went, he just froze up. That's bad. That's a bad sign. So uh, I, I'm not a doctor, but that's going to require some work. But I think he's built up enough equity here that 
you might want to have him back. Now, I don't know what the numbers are going to say, what the financials are, or what he's going to want to be here, but Odell Beckham Jr. with Cooper Cup and a healthy Robert Woods and Van Jefferson, come on, man. Who wouldn't want that with Matthew Stafford? Oh, you are speaking so many things. NFC fans right now just hanging their head, realizing they're in for all of this again. DeMarco, we'll let you get to your more important duties, being a dad. We appreciate you hanging out. You know, dinner's on Sarah next time. Like, she, I'll let her pay for everything, but know that it was my sentiment. That that counts for something. I'm watching my team right now. I think they're trying to catch a frog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. We got to go play softball, but. More important things. they got to catch this frog. It's awesome. Oh, that's incredible. DeMarco, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you, brother. You got it, man. (laughs) You know, DeMarco makes a great point, and it's something leading into the Super Bowl that uh, I I talked about a lot. I think we need to take a second and acknowledge. When you start talking about the Rams, and it's easy to think about the L.A. Rams because that's what some of us grew up knowing. Like, I grew up knowing the L.A. Raiders and the L.A. Rams, right? And, you know, as a lifelong diehard Raiders fan, that became the Oakland Raiders that are now the Vegas Raiders. And if you're the Rams, you've gone through L.A. to St. Louis and now back to L.A. And for so many fans in that area, they they sort of separated from this team. And winning isn't just about winning. It's also about laying down a foundation, The stadium is gorgeous, and we all saw it on full display. And you can have the nicest facilities in the entire world, but let's be real. That's not a cheap ticket. You've got to have a product that's going to make people want to come watch it. And it's more important than ever in the beginning that you are competitive in your new market because you're trying to get people on board that may be fans of other teams, especially in a place like L.A. How many people living in L.A. grew up football fans of somebody else? You know, you move there from Texas. You're a lifelong Dallas fan. You get to suddenly change your alliance. So it becomes incredibly important for teams that move to be able to have that success because it lays the foundation for future generations. When I hear DeMarco talking about walking in to his daughter's class and having everybody chant about the Rams, it speaks to the patience you have to have in a new market, the amount of time it takes to really know the foundation that you've laid and sort of the the way that you can build your fan base moving forward. But you can't tell me that this Super Bowl isn't huge for what the Rams are trying to accomplish. And frankly, if you're the Chargers, you're looking at it saying, man, Whatever that gap was that we were already fighting, that gap has now grown, and it's even bigger, and that's going to make it even more difficult for us to get any share of this market. I feel like we're not going to know the full impact of this Super Bowl for a decade, and that speaks to all of the good that the Rams have done right now. Speaking of the Super Bowl, we'll get the scene from inside SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl. It was intense. We'll hear from somebody that was there and uh, knows this show well. Coming up next, Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You know, I'm all in for living vicariously through people, especially my friends and especially people I work with. And usually, I don't even get jealous about it. I'm not going to lie. Yesterday was kind of difficult because I was reminded in every real way on social media that Sarah Spain is far cooler than I am. Sarah Spain, (laughs) Jason Fitz, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Like, Sarah was at all the cool parties all weekend. Sarah was uh, uh, at the Super Bowl. Sarah saw the halftime show live. Like the number of moments that I just sat there and thought, man, it's good to be Sarah Spain today. Uh, let's start <laughs> with the obvious. Like you've seen so many stadiums, Sarah. What was the stadium like to you? It was wild. It was funny because we ended up hanging out a little bit with some friends. And apologies for the party voice. Uh, did the best I could. Um 
that, that used to work for the Bears, and, and uh, our friend Chris now works for the Rams and SoFi. And the first thing we said when we saw him was like, man, like when you go to a game like this and you see this stadium, it makes you realize how trash some of the older stadiums are. Yeah. And it makes you understand why the Bears are most definitely moving to Arlington Heights to create a massive complex like that. You could fit probably three soldier fields in there, if not four. Um, it's a beautiful stadium, great sight lines, at least from where we were from. It's huge, though. I mean, it goes, it just keeps going. It's it's amazing because the stadiums, I mean, I, I keep reminding people, it's the most expensive stadium in the United States. It's the most expensive stadium in the NFL, obviously. Uh, you start to think about the money they spent, and it was really on display, and I thought it shined beautifully in the course of the Super Bowl. Were, were the Rams fans out, or was it like, because I know the celebrities were, but throughout <laughs> the course of the stadium, was it a Rams crowd or a Bengals crowd from where you were? It felt more like a Bengals crowd, for sure. Um, the celebrities were out. When we were walking to our seats, we kind of took a circuitous route because we came in a, an entrance that was kind of opposite of where our seats were. Um, and shout out to Gatorade because we had six seats. We were in like 203. Amazing view, especially for that last touchdown. It came right into our end zone. Um, but we saw, uh, let's see, Gordon Ramsay, Brett Favre, oh. Steve Kerr. Oh. Um, Drake and all of his uh, his boys, they were all in matching outfits, which was an interesting choice. He clearly wanted some attention. I got to talk to Issa Rae, who I'm obsessed with. Nick Lachey was super nice. He's a fan of the show. Um, Deezus from Deezus and Mero. We have only internet relationships, so we finally met in person, which was great. And there, yeah, I mean, it was celebs everywhere. A lot of Rams fans on the big screen during the breaks where they would shout out all the celebrities in the building. But when it came time for the screams and cheers and reactions, it was definitely more Bengals heavy. Well, and that makes sense. You know, we were just talking to DeMarco Farr, and one of the things that DeMarco pointed out was seeing all those celebrities around is good for LA. Like, it's good for, mm -hmm. you know, the market as they try and grow in the market. And, uh, you know, it makes sense from a stadium standpoint to shine a light. And I, I, I would say I think the Predators did the same thing during Nashville's Stanley Cup final run. You know, they made sure that every Every country star that was in the building was shown because it was a way to say, hey, look at the ties we have with famous people. It totally, yeah. it totally makes sense. Uh, the halftime show, was it as delightful in person as it was on TV? <laughs> well, I'll say what's cool about it, and I've seen a couple of them in person, is watching them, how quickly they move to transform the field and back. Um, I think I sent you and Stash a, a quick video of the, of the cars coming out on the field, so you had a little preview of what was to come. Unfortunately, our seats were on the on the side that was the sort of facade front of the houses, not the opening where they did most of the performing. So we saw Eminem right to us and Kendrick was on our side, but most of the performances were facing the other direction. So I'm actually really excited to watch it um, uh, and see the television broadcast because everybody watching at home said it was incredible. It was really cool inside, but we didn't get a lot of the visuals. Um, and I actually tried to download the Super Bowl to my phone to watch on the plane, which wouldn't have happened anyway because I instantly passed out. But also my phone is out of memory. Uh, so that tells you anything about all the uh, the photos and videos. I was like, out of memory? What the heck? And then I looked at I have 63,000 photos on my phone. So okay. maybe I need to do some housekeeping. No, that, that's probably that. We're, we're getting the, uh, the sense of all things L.A. from Sarah on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with some straight talk, straight talk wireless, no contract. Uh, no compromise. And I will say this, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to a few Super Bowls in my life. And I can only think of one halftime show that was great in person and great, like watching Bruno Mars with Red Hot Chili Peppers mm -hmm. in, in New York. That one was great in the stadium. And I watched it back. 
it was great, but it was just such a visual show. Most of the time, I've, I really felt like the, it, they don't necessarily come across as well because they're really playing to the cameras more than yeah, they're playing for to the sure. stadium, for sure. I so. thought Coldplay and Beyonce a couple years ago was great in the stadium. A lot of people didn't love it, but I think a lot of people, Coldplay is a little polarizing to people. I happen to love them, but I thought it was great inside the stadium. And one of my worst moments ever is the Bears Super Bowl. I refused to miss a second of my team playing, so I used the halftime to go to the bathroom and get food, and that was Prince, widely regarded as Prince the best of all time and i didn't see a second of it uh that is that, that like i'm actually heartbroken for you on yeah that. Like that, i really that was... I feel like the people driving away from from kirk gibson <laughs> like the taillights in the parking lot that that's my story that's my version of that so i'm watching the game and we all see the touchdown to cooper cup and then you see the moment where joe burrow gets the ball back and we're just so accustomed in this postseason to watching miraculous things happen it felt like on tv that it was just a given that Joe Burrow was going to take him down <laughs> and they were going to score the the tying field goal. It didn't feel like they were going to win the game, although uh, incredible ESPN put up on their social medias if no one's seen it. Jamar Chase burned Jalen Ramsey on the fourth yeah. and one, and he was <clears throat> wide stinking open. If if you had, if Joe Burrow gets an extra second, the Bengals yep. go ahead right there. Like I, I thought that was stunning. But in the stadium, did the momentum feel like Joe Burrow was just going to take him down and get him at least a tied? It did. Absolutely. I mean, if you actually watch that touchdown, one of the most interesting things that someone pointed out to me is um, in the video that I posted of my view of it, and maybe you couldn't see it on TV, but um, zero celebration from Andrew Whitworth. Zero recognition of the touchdown, just right back to the line. Game's not over. Like You could tell that within the stadium and also the players, they knew there's enough time left for something to happen. Um, and you're right. If, 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 I mean, the story of the game is if Burrow had just had some more time, right? Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, we saw that coming, Fitz. We talked so much about the, the storylines coming in. And the Bengals ended up with a 14% pass block win rate in the game. Oh that God. is the worst by any team in any game of the entire season. So it was a problem. We knew it was going to be a problem. The question was whether or not they could they could win anyway. And the 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 Rams helped them get pretty close um, by some of the completely inexplicable play calling, um, the decision making by McVay on some of that. I was listening to Barnwell this morning on ESPN Daily, and he he summed it up. He he said it, it seemed like a guy who was trying to convince us he's not smart. <laughs> like a nerd who like fails a test because he thinks it's like cool to be dumb. Um, if you look at their their run totals and the percentage of run, which was another thing that we harped on before before the game, is that these two teams had the biggest differential in um, in EPA for their for their run plays, expected points added. That both teams ran the ball way too much based on what the statistics told us about its success. And for this game in particular, the the Rams added nine point two points to the Bengals' total because of the inefficiencies and the expected points added statistic for their run plays. Um, They average only 1.9 yards per carry, and he kept running it, and he kept running it. And so this could have been a blowout Rams win if not for the fact that the offense of the Rams uh, really kept the Bengals in it, while the the defense and, of course, their pressure on Burrow is is ultimately what got him to win. Yeah, it's Spain and Fitz. There's Spain Jason Fitz. I will say, I'll paraphrase here quickly, but uh, Jeff Saturday was on the morning show this morning, KJ and Max, and 
Uh, one of the smarter breakdowns I've ever heard is he talked about the second half, and particularly one player each time on the Rams' defense would come up to the center. And by coming up to the center, it forced the Bengals to go one-on-one, man-to-man, basically, mm-hmm. as an offensive line. And that one switch, the Bengals never had an answer for, and it changed their ability to block anything moving forward. And yep. you think about that one coaching adjustment and what a what a difference it played in the game. We're so used to seeing the Bengals make the big adjustments that put them on top, and it felt like that was one adjustment made by the Rams that they just didn't have any answer for. Spain and Fitz, well, and Fitz oh, real quick. To that point, I just wanted to point out and add, the same thing goes for the Bengals' defense. We were, were giving a ton of very deserved credit for how flexible they could be, the different looks that they could give, how they could adjust to the offense that they were facing. And in this game, they tried to play man, and they were getting burned so bad, particularly when OBJ was still in, that you could tell at the end, when you're when you're asking the question of why Eli Apple would be one-on-one in cup in a situation, that you know it, the ball is going to him. It's because they had zero trust in their ability to go man and having to go zone um, made it really tough for them to lean into any player and put more pressure like someone like cop they couldn't double and um, they kind of just had to hope and cross their fingers that it wouldn't kill them the way it did and it, it of course happened exactly as expected cup versus Eli and cups gonna win that every time yeah the, the chess match was a delight but it was like watching two grandmasters play really poorly at times Spain and Fitz <laughs> yes. on ESPN radio presented by progressive insurance at progressive they're making things even easier they'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Look at that. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Okay, we'll keep breaking down everything you need to know from the Super Bowl, including one huge issue for the Bengals, but there's no NFL offseason rumor quite like an NFL quarterback rumor, and that chess game has already begun. We'll break it down for you next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. So we spent a lot of last week speculating about drama that may or may not exist between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And we expected throughout the course of the Super Bowl we would get an answer. We didn't, which may answer the entire question we had and create a hell of a situation. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we'll get to that in a second. I left out one important question, though, uh, Sarah. What You were at the Super Bowl and so far. What was the, uh, what was the food, food, food like? Food so situation. Um, well, I don't want to make you further jealous, uh-huh. but um, I think you were following along with my story, so you were aware that Gatorade is like the greatest host of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had a gorgeous, incredible, giant brunch when the day started full of mimosas and make your own or something you know an omelet bar and roast things and mm-hmm. all the yumminess and then they gave us tailgate passes for the official nfl tailgate so that had like taste of the nfl taste oh, of la yeah. so there were restaurants all over the place with different items um and then at the game itself i only ate um half of a pizza with brad and it was um Underwhelming. So I'll just say, uh, the the game food was not as good as as the uh, the Rams after party did have a Carl's Jr. truck outside. Uh, so I got some French fries for the ride home. I'll never understand why it's Carl's Jr. in part of the country and Hardee's in the other. Like it just yeah. merging yeah, into yeah. one people. Uh, and speaking of the after party, we'll get some Rams after party stories uh, coming with another celebrity in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, we expected. I I think I expected. Let me say this. I thought that we were going to see a really lame commercial that involved the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. We were all going to roll our eyes and we were going to say, wow, 
We spent days speculating over the fact that he scrubbed the Cardinals off of his social media, and they scrubbed their entire social media, Instagram, minus two pictures of Kyler Murray. We spent days talking about that for nothing. I was so ready to be proud of our show for not (laughs) going down to the lowest common denominator and be like, we stayed above the fray. And then we got nothing. And in fact, Mort reported in the morning that there is friction between the player and the team and the team considers him immature and he thinks too much is being put on him. And I'm looking at all of this saying, oh my God, I didn't expect that the drama is real. And now we have to actually deal with that very real drama very quickly because the Cardinals need to figure out what their future looks like with their quarterback. Yeah. Uh, incredibly strange. And I'll I'll correct the way you started the segment because you said uh, we thought or we guessed or we... No, we were certain. We didn't even want to give it the time because we were like, this is so transparently about an ad. Um, No, no, it's not. Uh, This is very real. This is very sticky. Um, If you look now at the Cardinals' um, Instagram, it's fully populated again. Um, Kyler Murray still uh, has just the three posts of himself, uh, but the Cardinals is back up. And and the whole thing was very confusing because um, though there have been reports that they consider Kyler to be a little immature, stubborn, um, prone to, you know, kind of hissy fits. Um, and, and while he clearly doesn't feel super valued by them um, and, and said sort of um, loosely as much in a, in a post today, uh, it just feels like as badly as their season end, this erupted very fast. There were not rumors of this during the season that I recall. It just was all of a sudden this came about, and now it seems like a a really tough situation for everyone involved. Well, and a situation that, frankly, if you're the Cardinals, this is your golden moment. Like, I don't remember the last time we saw a quarterback with this kind of value that could even be part of a trade conversation. Like, he's going into the fourth year of his rookie deal, which means whoever would would trade for him would be able to acquire somebody who, according to SpotTrack, has a a cap number this year of laughably $11.3 million. And then you pick up the fifth-year option. I mean, they'd have time to work out a new deal if they want, but you're talking about a 25-year-old quarterback that's still in his rookie deal. If there's an issue here that they think prevents his want to continue to play in Arizona, you're talking about a bounty of mm-hmm. picks. It would be like you're not talking about a few. I, I mean, to me, this would be oh my god level of of equity in return because he is so young, he is so affordable, and he has played well. Um, chats with Chels did point out that there are some limitations on where he goes. Uh, she tweeted, if Kyler Murray requests a trade, the Steelers absolutely cannot go after him. All it takes is one windy day at Heinz Field and his tiny butt's going to fly out of the stadium like a <laughs> napkin. Uh, so yeah, maybe not Chicago, maybe not uh, some of the cold weather places. Um, no, your point is valid. And I, I think also alarming about all of this, fits is who are the sources uh, saying this stuff to folks like Chris Mortensen? And when you when you have a relationship with a quarterback that up until this point we thought was was good and and we, they were building on and, and the ends of seasons and the injuries have been frustrating but so much of what he does is so electrifying and insane to watch is so talented um, that who who is reporting and, and and leaking this stuff and what is their end goal because a tremendous quarterback like that is not someone that you alienate and scare off because because you're annoyed with his attitude. Well, and you know, I always go back to an agent buddy of mine years ago told me, figure out who benefits from the rumor and you have an idea who the source is. Well, I can't find any benefit for the Cardinals in any of this. But right. I certainly if if Kyler Murray doesn't want to play in Arizona, 
then he's the only one that benefits because he at least opens the door of conversation. And, I mean, just going back and looking, and I know numbers aren't everything, but you're talking about somebody that completed 69% of his passes. Nice. For 37-87, <laughs> 24 touchdowns and 10 picks. Like, that is a, that's a level of efficiency on a 25-year-old quarterback that each year has gotten better. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you're the Cardinals – I, that there's a, that there would be anything that would make it worth your while to move off of that quarterback, but you may not have a choice if he's continuing to put this out, which is why it feels like if Kyler's putting it out, then how desperate is he to want to be moved? Because we're not used to seeing this stuff handled this publicly. Yeah, and and he in his statement seems to maybe regret that he let himself make make those, uh, you know sort of immature and rash decisions in, in terms of his social media. You know, he said, I play the game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who's helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships. All of this nonsense is not what I'm about, never has been, never will be. Anyone who's ever stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go. So either he's saying the nonsense like the sourced quotes, including one where someone claimed that he sits at his locker at halftime and calls his girlfriend or puts his earbuds in and isolates himself. Um, other reporters are saying, per a source that that's a flat-out lie and not true at all. But I don't know if he's referring to that or if he's also referencing that he shouldn't have let his anger get the best of him and and started this, essentially, by publicly making it clear that there was a rift. Well, and that's what, like, if you want to think two, two layers too deep on some of this stuff, I mean, he gets the win of essentially scrubbing the Cardinals, which creates this conversation. Then he comes out and says, man, this isn't who I am, which is also his way of covering his own butt in the right. conversation and being like, right. no, 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 I just had a moment, which then makes sure that, you know, that's his way of telling every team. But I'm not a distraction. I'm not yeah. a, not an issue. Well, and, and and also interesting, you know, he thinks, according to the sources, that he's the one being scapegoated for the end of their season and the, and the failures. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury's getting a lot more heat than Kyler, and and that that's a very interesting relationship that I would love to know what's going on in the middle of those two right now. Yeah, but let me be a thousand percent clear: if I'm the Cardinals and I got to fire Cliff Kingsbury to keep Kyler Murray, of I'm course, doing, like that's not even a, a conversation. Like I'm not even calling him; I'll just text him and say you're gone. Like that, you, you it's harder to find a quarterback than a coach in the NFL, from in my mind. So of course, you yeah. know. But I do go back to a couple of the NFL analysts I talked to this season that said a few times that the body language of Kyler Murray when things are going wrong bothered him. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe there's something to it, Sarah, but I don't know. I, I, we both come from a background of desperation when it comes to the quarterback position, so I wouldn't do anything that makes my quarterback mad. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The question is, what is that relationship, and what is the relationship with his teammates, right? And, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks floating around this offseason who are unhappy with where they are or on the move, and if this gets thrown into the mix, too, uh, this will make it really interesting. Well, we'll keep breaking it down, but we've got parties to break down with famous people that partied with Sarah. We'll do it next. Bain and Fitz. One, two, three, ho! This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. After deciding not to go back to the hotel and instead to crash the Rams after party, I approached a group of people in a party bus on the side of the road and I gave them $100 to drop us off at the party. 
because we had no other way of getting there. And we made some new friends and had some drinks along the way. And that was how the post-Super Bowl evening began. It ended with Taron Killam of Saturday Night Live and, and many other uh, movies and television fame uh, entertaining the entire after party with many dances, including the Carlton. Uh, lots more stories from the Rams after party here on Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're brought to you by My Computer Career, Training for a Better Life. I feel like a satchel of Richards. So we'll see how <laughs> Taryn is feeling. <laughs> Actor Taryn Killam, super fan of the Rams, joins us now. How are you feeling, Taryn? I, I'm, I'm shocked that you or I have any voice, quite frankly. <laughs> as, as, I think, as I think we went through the, uh, Snoop Dogg's entire catalog. Yep. We did. Like six feet from Kevin Demoff. <laughs> we did. The Peter King also Rams. witnessed. Peter King also <laughs> was trying to write on deadline while you yeah, and I were Peter singing uh, Every Word to Nothing But a G Thing, Ain't No Fun, uh, I Think My Neck, My Back. There were, there were some classics in there. Um, explain to Fitz uh, what exactly you were doing on stage with the DJ. Okay. Um, Let's see. This was this was <laughs> fits very fittingly. This is post fits in the tantrum. Oh, the band. Yeah. Um, yeah, they performed at their the party. performance, and they did a full. They did like an hour show. This yeah. isn't. This wasn't just like come do four or five songs and make an appearance thing. Put on a full hour long show, which was amazing. And then DJ Malski cranked up the dance tunes, and I was uh, I was mid um, mid dance move demonstrating how uh, the girl had apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur <laughs> and and dj mouski very similarly to sarah um spotted my my white rams bomber jacket and he said white jacket come up on stage <laughs> and at, at the at the rams tailgate the pre pre-game and tailgate party um, DJ Malski and I also were up on uh, on stage dancing and getting the party going. So I think he kind of knew um, that that we could get uh, that we so could crank up the it. energy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, we could bring it. Look, I, I'm not even mad at any of this, by the way, because I can't even promise that I would not act like a massive fool if my favorite team ever won the, the Super Bowl. So, I, <laughs> like, I'm in for every ounce of this. But here's my, my question. Like, you're a, a diehard Rams fan and, and have been on record for that for a while. But I'm watching the Super Bowl, and I'm seeing a lot of famous people that feel like they're sort of bandwagon fans. Like, do you give out cards to everybody? And you're like, no, you have to be part of my group. You, uh, <laughs> are you welcoming them? What are we doing here? The greatest thing about having been born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and worked in Hollywood is that we have, we have access to background casting. We're very familiar. We can do it. We can do a crowd scene very easily. You know what I mean? And we have no qualms about it. This is our livelihood. I'll throw you 50 bucks, show up, and act like you like the Rams. Ready? And action. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, like the, the territorial thing of, of, of fandomship, unless someone is literally coming for your like season ticket seat, like that's when you can flex. That's, that's when you can be like, uh, you're garbage. You were not here last week. Get out of my seat. But like, you know, turning anybody off from supporting your team makes zero sense to me. So, right. you know, Amen. fair weather, uh, temporary fans, whatever. Just just show up and make some noise on third down when, when the Rams are on defense. 
Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it's strange when people do that. You can be proud of being an OG and, and being a day one, but I, I think, especially in a place like LA, where honestly there's so much going on that it's not all about sports. You gotta you gotta hope that this win and the game and all the excitement around it kind of encourage a little more folks to act like you. Maybe not the face paint though. And I'll tell you this, Fitz. I was looking around at the official tailgate, and I've been texting with Taryn to try to meet up, and it turned out we were at two different tailgates, so that wasn't gonna happen. But uh, he had posted a photo in full blue and yellow face paint uh, other than the beard and so I kept thinking I saw him and, and then I would say to Brad no 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 that's not him no face paint uh, th- that person is normal um, it didn't last very long did it it was very hot uh, there was a mask involved uh, by the time I got to you you really just looked like you had two black eyes 100 percent February in Los Angeles brings 82 degree weather you know <laughs> and like and I and one I didn't I didn't set I didn't set the face paint, quite honestly. I used Zinka, so it was very unorthodox. <laughs> and the second we got in the Uber to head down to SoFi Stadium and I put my mask on, I was like, What the hell was I thinking? Uh, this I, is crazy. But it made for a great Instagram post. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. I, I'm gonna disagree with both of you guys because I saw the face paint on the post and I thought, man, like we'd be besties because I'm all in for posting like anytime you can <laughs> You're a Raiders a, fan, of course you are. I mean if anytime you can <laughs> yeah, pinch exactly. yourself for a big game, I draw that's the line what, at spike. I mean, I mean that, that's that's what we do. So uh, you know, all all kidding aside, you seeing your favorite team win the Super Bowl is such an incredible moment. What was it like for you? What was the favorite moment? Like what stood out from that Super Bowl? I mean, everything about the Rams playing in SoFi, their brand-new stadium, the first year that fans can be there with, you know, the best halftime Super Bowl show in the history of halftime shows, in my opinion. There was already so much about it that was a storybook finish, but then you you literally give a storybook ending to an Aaron Donald sack against Joe Burrow, you know, who's great and he's going to have a wonderful long career, but – uh, there was no moment, even when we were down, there was no moment where I doubted it wasn't our game, just because it had to be. It just felt like destiny. And if you need any proof of that, look no further than the game ending with Aaron Donald sacking the quarterback. <laughs> we're talking to actor Taron Killam. You remember him, of course, from Saturday Night Live, all sorts of other TV and movies. But most importantly, he is a diehard Rams fan who has been spending the entire season, every second possible that he can get in SoFi, uh, helping encourage other Rams fans. Um, I wanted to ask that because there were so many good stories from this, whether it's Eric Weddle coming back to get the win and then just retiring again uh, like a month later, Uh, whether it's Aaron Donald, whether it's OBJ, despite the injury, Matt Stafford. What, what is the storyline? Or maybe there's another one that, that you like the most. Yeah. God, like to, to single it out is really hard. I, I think, I think for me, like there's, there's the team story. And I think that, I think even with, you know, Aaron Donald's my favorite football player ever. Um, and, and, and he, he, he was due for a ring, but the sentiment that, that really kind of like hammered that home for me was when McVeigh said, if I can't get this guy a ring, then shame on me. And it's, yeah. and it's McVeigh's story. It's McVeigh, you know, checking all the boxes of history this season in particular has been fantastic because, you know, he seemingly, he, he, he made, he got everything he asked for, for Christmas. He was a very good boy, and Daddy Sneeds put everything That's under right. the tree that he could That's possibly right. want. And 
and you know, and and he was learning, and then and then he was challenged, and then and then he pivoted and he grew, and he I also felt confident in his sort of um, in his diligence. I felt confident in his diligence. Nothing we we never play better than when it feels like McVeigh is pissed about something specifically. <laughs> and I knew <laughs> I knew we were gonna win that Niners playoff game because they broke his perfect record of never losing a game when he's ahead at the half at halftime. Right. Um, so I think I just think like the team is amazing, but but McVeigh is the lifeblood that was injected into this team. You know, Aaron was already here. We had a, you know, number one draft pick with golf. We had like talent, but like people came here because of McVeigh. And I think that the, I honestly like full discretion, full disclosure. I understand I'm biased, but the league has changed because of McVeigh. The way that yeah. the, the kinds of coaches that teams are seeking out is completely based on the McVeigh model. Except for so, the Bears. The Bears know, are just like, let's not do what's successful. <laughs> I mean, you literally could end any sentence in football with except for the Bears. That's very true. That's very true. Taryn uh, um, Killam with then, us here. For me, my favorite thing was getting to know Stafford. I, w- I was a real, like, arms crossed kind of guy. We remember um, on this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was wrong, and I'm going to eat my humble pie. And, and he stepped up, and he did it. He's, he's got the ring now. But I'm going to give a little bit more credit to Kelly Stafford for winning me over. Because there you go. Her, She's very nice. Her support of the fandom, her smack talk, her you know, her investment in the team and the city, and and really more than anything in her family, is incredibly inspiring and admirable. Um, so yeah, so I, I I've I've loved falling in love with Stafford. Yeah. I, uh, despite him being a lion for a long time, I always liked him and then got some time to hang out with him and Kelly at a friend's wedding, mutual friend's wedding, where he was a groomsman. And he is a very nice guy, very easy to root for. And you can see that around the league, how many people are happy he finally got the W. Um, none as happy as you are, though. Uh, go get some sleep, True. maybe some hot tea. Uh, and a couple we'll, of we'll, lozenges we'll, are on there. Yeah, are, and uh, I, I imagine we'll be, we'll be seeing the Carlton, maybe some sloppy swish at the parade. We'll keep Great. an eye out. Done. I'll see you Wednesday. Thanks, Terrence. Terrence Killam with us here on Spain and Fitz. Don't forget, by the way, tune into college basketball action. Kansas hosting Oklahoma State. Coverage begins at 8.30 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're taking you into that game. Coming up first, though, it seems like the Rams have unlocked a new way to win in the NFL. We'll tell you what that is next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're short tonight. And I'm not talking about my height, five mm-hmm. nine and a half. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State Game traveling. To, I mean, every every quarter of an inch. I'm telling you, the last time I went to the doctor and they told me I was back up to five nine and a half after being five nine and a quarter, I was like, I'm not shrinking. I feel so much better about myself. Oklahoma State travels to Kansas for a Big Twelve battle. That's next on ESPN Radio. Don't want to miss that. Some great Big Twelve college basketball happening. So as a result. It's a little less Spain and Fitz tonight, but uh, obviously a ton of Super Bowl to get through. And, you know, Sarah, as you were coming back from L.A. earlier in the show, I was talking about Matt Stafford and sort of some of the lessons that every team can learn in, you know, you get a great roster with a really, really good quarterback. Maybe you can make things happen instead of always being so obsessed with needing the next 
Patrick Mahomes. But there is an interesting conversation that's happening right now uh, across so many shows about the way teams are built. Because, frankly, we're used to looking at super teams and saying it doesn't work that way. It didn't work for the Eagles when they tried it several times. Back when uh, the Washington Commanders weren't the Commanders, they tried to go out and get every big free agent they could. And there were several times it didn't work. It's not always that easy. But Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider on OTL, reminded us that the Rams did things differently. I think they're obliterating the cliches, specifically the build through the draft or football's the ultimate team sport. The Rams just proved it really not necessarily is. When you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, they have a lot of guys that were undrafted free agents or lower round picks. And what they proved last night and this season, Jeremy, is you can win with a bunch of stars and some quality role players. And we got to give Les Snead, the GM, and Sean McVay a lot of credit because in a lot of ways, they're a visionary. Well, and and that raises the real question because, Sarah, I'm not sure it's always that simple, but it sure looks like the, the Rams made it that simple that, you know, you, you go out and you build enough great players on a team, people will want to play here, and then you can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because if you look at the two teams, they're completely different, right? And they both made it to the Super Bowl, and the Bengals were three points away from, from you know, winning it and and they put together a team in a completely different way they of course used something we've seen a lot of which is you know you draft a great quarterback and that changes everything but they put together a great defense using mid-range pieces that outperform their contracts they put together a team that doesn't have a ton of those big superstar players but instead is consistent across the board at most positions um so i think the rams offer another way an example of what could work and you know that I have been high on the Rams decision to prioritize talent that they know of right now through free agency and trades um, over the potential of a draft pick again we will have to see a couple years from now how they how they handle having mortgaged their future but it worked they won a Super Bowl it was worth it even though if they have a couple lean years a couple years from now um, and I do think that only works though if you've got the right eye um, which applies also to trying to build through the draft if you don't have a GM who can identify talent you could follow the blueprint that other teams have put out for you and and it's not going to work so um, I do agree though like it's it's not the traditional way and the fact that we all built up all season long that it would be an incredible failure if they didn't win and we talked about it so much and then they did win just brings all the more attention to it for other teams potentially deciding to do it it's spain and fitz there spain jason fitz presented by progressive insurance if i could get a an entire choir in this room to sing hallelujah while you did that i would because so much <laughs> of what you said is you know number one like it's super easy to come in today and say this worked or this didn't work for the rams and the fact is we're not going to know for several years because we need to see what what it means for them when they don't have well draft it worked now it worked today. and most yeah. teams fits would absolutely give up a couple years in the future for a Super Bowl now because uh, it's been so long. I totally agree with that. I Let's see how long those couple of years turn into right, rebuilds. Right, but right, right. The other portion of your conversation that I think is so important right now has to do with identifying talent because I, I listen to all the shows all day talking about the Bengals' trash offensive line. We all know the trash, the offensive line is trash, but like that presumes that the Bengals haven't tried. I looked it up, and over the last five years, they've drafted eight offensive linemen. Mm. They've used their 
their first-round picks multiple times on the offensive line. Like, sometimes you just got to accept the fact that the guys in that room aren't good at scouting certain positions. Like, you know for a lifetime as a Bears fan that it's been a struggle to find a quarterback. Like, Titans fans talk about the struggle to find a, a wide receiver. Like, certain teams don't scout certain positions well in, in certain generations. I think the Bengals are in that generation right now where mm-hmm. they struggle to figure out what a good offensive lineman's going to look like. Well, and some teams uh, struggle to find talent at certain positions for the entirety of their franchise. Yes. And I am certainly speaking about the Chicago Bears because God knows I should not have to know the name Sid Luckman this many years later, and I should not have to bring it up this many times this many years later. Um, no, I mean, listen— th- it was, you know, Taryn just talked about how Sean McVay has changed the NFL. There is a lot of copycatting going on with his uh, coaching style, with whether you've sat and had lunch with him and some of it rubbed off. Uh, but the same is probably going to go for the aggressiveness of the Rams. I think there are other teams that are going to decide uh, to change the way they, they work. Who what was it? Was it Brock Osweiler where there was like that almost NBA-style deal where yeah. he got dealt? Yeah. yeah. There are things like that that just sort of... You might not see the exact thing happen again, but they definitely change perspectives and they make people see it differently. And I think um, the Rams didn't reinvent the game, but certainly after the success that they just saw, first of all, everyone's going to start going to Cabo to find their quarterbacks, mm. obviously. That's of the first place to start. Right. Uh, and then and then from there, be willing to make those big swings. Well, and we'll I think we'll see the immediate impact in free agency this year. Like, we're going to start seeing teams like, if you're the Chargers, you can't afford to sit back. If you're the Raiders, you can't afford. Like, if you're in new cities trying to get a foundation for the future, you're looking at this saying, golly, that's, it's, it gets tougher and tougher to make, make up ground that you're losing to every other team that uh, might be in that area that's doing things a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that both stories um, were different. And I like to see how you can make it work both ways, right? I like to see, um, I've obviously I've talked about this, I love the Bengals story because for a Bears fan going from two wins two seasons ago, getting the right quarterback and filling in some pieces, getting a new coach is the way to do it. I'm here for that. I would love for that to be the case. Let's, yeah. let's, let's see it again. I think it's easier to sign a bunch of big name free agents for money than it is to find the next Joe Burrow, though. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. I, that, that's easier said than done. All right, stick around. Oklahoma State's traveling to Kansas for a Big 12 battle. That's next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for hanging out. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. This has been Spain and Fitz.